You're listening to Green Rapids Podcast. Welcome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're here with Carlos. From Wimiac. Yeah, if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, My name is Carlos Calderon, uh, currently the Director of Sustainable Community Development at the West Michigan Environmental Action Council, or Wimiac. That's a mouthful. It is. It is a mouthful. Thank you for acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) Although we all have, like, there's so many to know. (laughs) Acronyms get me every time. Uh, But we're excited to have you here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, So today we're going to talk with Carlos about kind of like the urban water cycle and what, like, even just going to things like what is a watershed and like how does, how do our water habits impact our local environment and things like that. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear about this because I am going to be really honest and open saying, like, if somebody said watershed to me and asked me to explain it to them, I'd be like, ask Carlos. <laughs> I do not know what it is at all. So, so that uh, said, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> what is a watershed? What is a watershed? Sure. Uh, I think the, the most straightforward answer to that is a drainage area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's the area of land where all the precipitation throughout the year falls and drains mm-hmm. to a common point which is typically a stream river or lake mm-hmm. okay and or for listeners who said screw science class what is precipitation <laughs> <laughs> precipitation is all of the different forms of water that fall from the sky okay okay so it includes like the basics like rain snow hail oh yeah et cetera. Okay. everything that happens in michigan yeah right yeah. all of we, the sky things we've got, it all. we've got it all so watershed is though specifically then what is shed from the skies mm-hmm. into natural source water sources shed from the land from the yeah. land so yeah from the, the land. water that comes off off of, of the land okay. or through the land because yeah. there's groundwater interaction as well okay mm-hmm. and then ends up in a place like the grand river Okay. Nice. So can we get like a macro kind oh, of yeah. visual of what that looks the, like? The watershed concept is super cool to me because it's this nested, layered mm-hmm. concept. You have a huge watershed, mm-hmm. the ocean, or oh. oceans, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, you have little par- piece, pieces of the continents mm-hmm. that form all of the different landforms that they have, mm-hmm. and then have these huge river systems like the Mississippi. Okay. Or the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. And the Great Lakes can Mm -hmm. be further divided into even smaller pieces of land. Mm -hmm. So there's all of the land, half of the land at the lower peninsula, parts of uh, Wisconsin drain into Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. Zoom in even further, we have the the Grand River watershed. So Mm -hmm. all of the area of West Michigan that Mm -hmm. the water in the Grand River comes from. Okay. Okay. And then even smaller, we have uh, tributaries like Plaster Creek, the Rogue Mm -hmm. River, and each of them even have sub watershed units. Um, Plaster Creek, of for interesting, I, I listed here uh, Silver Creek. Mm-hmm. Silver Creek is a really interesting stream because it's mostly buried. What? About 100 years ago, and this is very common throughout the country, throughout the world, really, mm-hmm. during urban development, especially in the 20th century, mm-hmm. one of our solutions was to put, a p- put the stream into a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so why would we do that then it turns into a storm sewer okay so now all of the oh, all of sad. that inconvenient water that's on the land we funnel into these little streams mm-hmm. or underground culverts in the case of storm sewers yeah and then they end up in the larger water bodies 
but like who gets to determine mm. what's inconvenient to mm-hmm. people or yeah. not even people to land to animals to wildlife yeah because wildlife obviously can exist underground in a pipe the same way it does as like a surface level like stream or river right I- exactly yeah mm, so yeah. the most of silver creek that's underground no fish live there that's no sad. insects no frogs no turtles and and no the birds. the well the water is not only filtered but then it's lost. also impacted by like the corrosion of pipes and like external non-natural right like the just the non-natural world being mixed into the ground like that correct yeah, yeah. The, all of all of the storm sewer systems in the city of grand rapids for instance are untreated unfiltered okay so it goes directly from the surface into the pipe into the stream. Okay. okay. And I remember at some point hearing a lecture by Araceli when she was still with Plaster Creek Stewards about how, like, Plaster Creek absorbs a lot of, like, pollutants upstream and then it tends to deposit those downstream, which just so happens to be where there's frontline communities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, stuff like that where, like, it's not filtered, it's not being processed. So it's just, like, passing that harm on to another part of the system. Yep, exactly. Um the the the, the stormwater and I kind of had this a little bit further into mm-hmm. the um, uh, conversation, but mm-hmm. s- uh, stormwater runoff, the surface runoff that's carried during a, a rain event, mm-hmm. um, takes whatever is on the land and brings it down into the storm sewers or, in in, in this case, the water body like uh, mm-hmm. Plaster Creek. So, okay. Plaster Creek watershed, um, you know, it it has a gradient from rural to very dense urban mm-hmm. um, so out in the Gaines Township Caledonia area we yeah. see a lot of agriculture a lot mm-hmm. of suburban um, and, and rural developments popping up mm-hmm. those uh, fields and those new communities that are being built are connected to the stream through mm-hmm. drains and other sewer uh, sewer systems yeah and then yeah it just continues to build up as it gets further and further downstream which is why plaster creek is notorious as one of the most polluted streams in michigan i have heard tell and it's kind of depressing yeah the larger i guess like the the chemical life that we may or may not live is impacting the water sure um, i mean the, the, yeah like i said this is a question and a statement yeah, yeah. you know so i'm not really sure if this is correct at all but so there's there's definitely kind of two two main groups big groups of pollution there's chemical pollution and physical pollution okay right so chemical pollution um sometimes it's referred to by the regulators as point source pollution this is like industrial pipes Mm -hmm. that that empty right into a stream right most of that's regulated and illegal now right um, since the clean water act in in the 1970s um the the physical side, the, uh, one of those things that a lot of people don't think about is all of the debris, the fine sediment, the the mm-hmm. er, the erosion from you know the fields that are plowed extensively, yeah. uh, the road okay. salts, which are chemical but also um, cause physical, physical issues mm-hmm. within the stream for wildlife. Yeah. So there's a there's this huge suite, and that's mostly called non-point source pollution. Okay. Because it doesn't come from a single. Yeah. source it comes oh. from everywhere so most of, like the largest pollution f- toward the water streams would be things that just kind of run off 
the larger portions of our world, like exactly. dirty roads, exactly. like um, unsafe practices in disposal and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so the, the way that things like microplastics, beauty products, different types of nutrients or, or pathogens like E. coli, those typically come from wastewater processes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the wastewater treatment recovery facility does a really good job of getting out most pollution. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most of the nutrients, most of the bacteria and other pathogens, mm-hmm. but they're in, in most regulation for clean water. There is an allowable amount of pollution. Yeah. To be discharged and okay. is that measured kind of like PFAS with like parts per million yeah depending on yeah depending on the type of pollutant it could be parts per billion parts per trillion parts mm-hmm. per million grams yeah. per liter or milligrams oh. per liter yeah Ooh. there's a there's a huge scale you know it, yeah. and it all just depends on what that sp- particular um, type of pollution does to the environment okay and and so because our general waste goes through the tubes and filtration systems it's not nearly as much of an impact and issue as the other larger ones that you may have just mentioned yeah typically you know all of all of the modern wastewater treatment facilities are doing as good as our modern technology allows okay cool it's just good to know you know sometimes i wonder like how much of my impact is like really going down a sink or like Mm -hmm. just in general so thank you for explaining that i appreciate it um, so if we could zoom out, um, sure. I know that you said that there's like all these like levels within levels of those watersheds. Um, so to touch on like our probably maybe our most significant local watershed, can you talk about the Great Lakes Basin? Yeah, the Great Lakes Basin, um, of course, it's it's a very unique ecological system mm-hmm. um, in the world. Uh, in a very relatively small space, we have over 20% of the world's surface fresh water. That's a lot. Are we greedy? We are a little, <laughs> we're, we're water rich here, yeah. right? Uh, um, anybody who's outside of Michigan, this is a lie. <laughs> anybody looking for fresh water, turn away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, y- yeah, so. Crazy um, in California. <laughs> In, in, interestingly enough, um, some of my graduate research that I did included looking back at water policy through mm-hmm. the decades. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States has a very interesting perspective on water. Um, you know, see the current or the most recent Supreme Court ruling mm-hmm. on wetlands protections. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole long history, and it would probably take an hour to explain everything. Next <laughs> episode. Uh, <laughs> um But at least here in in the Great Lakes region, there are eight United States um, that that touch or are part of the basin and two Mm -hmm. Canadian provinces. Um, So we have both an interstate compact Mm -hmm. and an international charter to protect the waters of Mm -hmm. the Great Lakes. And of course, with any policy, there was compromise along the way. So Mm -hmm. Certain things are allowed to, to happen to a degree. That um, should happen? You know, probably. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't regulate so many different space yeah. or territories in it, or, one way. Yeah, it might just not be practical or feasible mm-hmm. to 
monitor you know every single gallon you know so instead <laughs> yeah. we have to look at it from the mm. million That's gallon perspective <laughs> you know or trillion gallon perspective mm-hmm. um so as far as moving water in and out of the great lakes basin for mm-hmm. example helping out some of our um drought stricken you know states yeah. out, or communities out west mm-hmm. we we would never be able to uh, alleviate the drought with the great lakes water right oh. um mm-hmm. So I, I know a lot of people th- think about, like, can we use the Great Lakes to bring water out to the West? Yeah. No. Um, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there mm. were a lot of campaigns to do oh, that. Does somebody want, like, a Michigan and California pipeline or something? Yeah. <laughs> I believe there was, it. And there was a whole very um, questionable um, ad campaign in, yeah. in the Great Lakes region to stop that. Um, okay. Very critical and using a lot of derogatory terms for mm-hmm. folks out west mm-hmm. um, but again because we have all of these regulatory bodies and partnerships with um, states and the Canadian provinces mm-hmm. um, we, we protect the Great Lakes as good as we can yeah okay. as we should and I'm not saying no because I don't want people to have water no. I just think like reallocation of resources from one state across the entire country so that again i'm gonna keep saying it i love avocados but so that we can have avocados and bananas whenever we want it's just like so impractical Mm -hmm. it's just it does not make enough sense to even start a campaign to do not with with at least first addressing the causes of all of the drought out there right you know they they've drained the aquifers they've dammed rivers Mm -hmm. they they withdraw it for agricultural purposes Mm -hmm. in in places where they wouldn't be able to grow food if they didn't drain the rivers and And the aquifers and that's because it's hot and it's sunny and and they know that that's what it takes in order to get food but it's not necessarily the climate it can grow in. exactly yeah. yeah and it's basically terraforming in a way that's not sustainable exactly mm-hmm. and okay. again see the colorado river it <laughs> it doesn't make its way all the way to the sea anymore <gasps> because of how much water we withdraw from it every year dang so it just like peters that at a point yep that's kind of dang where does it s- i guess start um starts up in in like the I think it's the western side of the Rocky Mountains, so it would drain through between the the Rockies and the Cascade Sierras okay. in California, mm-hmm. and so it would make its way through uh, Arizona, Southern California, and then into Mexico. Mm. But it's starting to dry up before it even crosses the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some water there, so some activities like agriculture happen on the mexican side but 10 15 20 50 100 years from now they might not have access to colorado river water Mm. Mm. and and then also the again the wildlife that grows along that river that lives in that river that uses the river to get in and out of the ocean those all are impacted, which means like food chains get impacted and so on. And, exactly. And that kind of not only will push animals, but then push us in other directions as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons kind of going back to the watershed concept that we're trying to think more in a watershed model rather than just stream, river, lake as right. separate mm-hmm. entities. Yeah. Because the land 
interface between the water is where the water comes from mostly mm, right okay, yeah. so the way that we the way that we manage our land impacts the the quantity and quality of the water yeah oh, in my class, thank you for explaining that <laughs> my geology class we talked about that as like the interaction between like the like geosphere which is like what's made out of like rock and stone and soil and like the hydrosphere which is like the, all the water on the planet yeah it's yeah. kind of cool how those are interconnected. We're, we're a water planet, right? I mean, we are a water e- even in the desert, there's water. Yeah. But mm-hmm. some areas are drier than others, some mm-hmm. areas are wetter than others. Yeah. Well, compare it to your body. We're still a system. Oh, yeah. And we and still w- need every single piece of it. We yeah. need to maintain it properly and preserve all that we can because it's so important to have every piece. I love I love the the mantra water is life mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. we are water is another mm-hmm. one that I like to say mm-hmm. too because we yeah. are we're water we're made up of water the things we eat are made up of water the places that we love are typically associated with water mm-hmm. um, even in in cultures throughout the world water is such an important piece and even in um, desert cultures mm-hmm. in the Middle East North Africa. Yeah. They have water features mm-hmm. in their palaces, and it was a sign of affluence to be able to bring water okay. from the desert mm-hmm. into your courtyard or into your palace, mm-hmm. um, and say like, "This is this is a really important like thing for water. us." Yeah, check out this water. Mm-hmm. So reminds me of Dune, <laughs> the desert people with like their extreme water reclamation. You bring that up in this room specifically more than anything, and I love it. Really. Yes, this is like the second or third time you've talked about this movie. Oh, I, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I interviewed the book. Um, I'll watch the movie. <laughs> um, but so so when you talk about then the Great Lakes watershed, you're talking about like you said, preserving all of the land around the water that not only is around the Great Lakes but then runs into the Great Lakes because if we protect that space, we allow for nature to do its thing properly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. Yep. So since we're talking about the watershed, I feel like it would also be good to this like just give like an overview about like the water cycle. Yeah, yeah, water, water cycle. <laughs> it, Ooh, elementary. It's Let's one of this. yeah. You'd think right. You'd think it's an elementary concept. But also, I feel like they teach it once and then never again. So like, but I don't never again. So yeah. So, so start people need little. to people need to be thinking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, and it can start like you can think about it. Um, if, if you're like a mindfulness practitioner or something along okay. those lines mm-hmm. and you're talking about your breath, that's the start of your water cycle. Oh. Because every time we inhale and exhale, not only is oxygen and carbon dioxide exchanged, but water is also exchanged. Right. Mm. Because there's water that, like. there's water all over, right? Water's in the air. It's not just in the ground or in the, in the mm-hmm. rivers and lakes or mm-hmm. in the clouds. Yeah. yeah. Water's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So... Water is uh, inhaled, exhaled, mm-hmm. um, and it, in my notes, I, I, I came up with the term, um, plants are the contralung. So the where we, I like that. we inhale oxygen and mm-hmm. exhale carbon dioxide through mm-hmm. our lungs, right? Mm-hmm. They do the reverse. Yeah. So they take in the carbon dioxide and breathe out, or not really breathe, but they release mm-hmm. <laughs> oxygen. Yeah. Um, and again, during that process of photosynthesis, water is exchanged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they also give out water. Mm-hmm. Um, and in places uh, where there are rainforests, for instance, you can actually see water throughout the day. If you like time-lapse video, you can mm-hmm. see water going in and leaving plants. So they, they do take these breaths. They're just much longer breaths than what we have. 
Cool. So this this concept is yeah this this concept's called evapotranspiration. Okay. Yeah. Because plants take up water from the ground. So this is another break it down. Yeah. Evapo. Evaporation. Evapotranspiration. So. And what is evaporation and transpiration, which is the exchange of water from the physical surface. Mm -hmm. So the the leaves, the pores in the leaves of the trees and other Mm -hmm. plants Mm -hmm. release water. Okay. Just yeah. happens. Okay. Unintentionally, just like we release water we from perspirate. our lungs. Yeah. Or we or we perspire. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's another form it's of the same thing. That's part of the water cycle. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you once that blowing. yeah. Okay. So now so now the water is out in the atmosphere. It's out in it's out in the air. Mm-hmm. And when it's warm, when warm air brings it up rises up and into the atmosphere and condenses into clouds Mm -hmm. so there's condensation in the clouds Mm -hmm. eventually enough water collects and the right pressure conditions happen and then we have precipitation okay snow rain hail all sorts of things hurricanes Mm -hmm. you know um really extreme weather events can happen because of this do you study clouds a lot as part of your work I did not, unfortunately. No, I, I didn't get a lot of the, um, I guess, physical um, environmental mm-hmm. sciences through my, I, it, I'm a biologist, so mm-hmm. my um, un- undergraduate degree is focused in ecology and evolution, and then my graduate degree is in watershed ecology. Nice. Okay. Go off. I was just curious, because I'm like an unofficial member of the Cloud Appreciation Society, oh. and I figured that... Why do you look at me like that? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if that's as great. part no, of like the I, water cycle studies, if you can. Yeah, no, I you know, in retrospect, there are probably a hundred classes that I would have ta- would have loved to have taken, but mm-hmm. didn't. Meteorology, climatology, things yeah. like that would have mm-hmm. been really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, if, I guess if I had the foresight twenty years ago to say yeah, right. I should study climate stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd I feel like we're probably not going to reverse climate change. Maybe I should jump <laughs> in on that. Like we were really all hoping. Yeah. No. Um, thank you for uh, being so, it, like, so passionate about learning about these things. I'm also passionate about learning about these things. My brain just doesn't work the same way as you. I think you retain information in a way that is a little bit different and then your ability to relay it is really helpful. Oh, thank you. Um, I have an annoying um, habit of retaining information. Um, I used to do a lot of trivia and, mm. and win a lot. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Do not play trivia against Carlos. <laughs> not against. No. You'll you can, be the host. You can always join. You can always join my team. You I, can be I the host. Okay. I also enjoy having. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we were like talking about the the yeah. system. <laughs> we were talking about systems. We're at. I think we we're at precipitation. Yep. Right. So yes. all of the water in it, all of its liquid and solid forms, comes down. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a. N- and crazy things happen, right? Like, did you like see what? the rain donut this mm, week? No. We were in the middle of a rain donut. It rained a little bit yesterday. Uh-huh. But like if you look in a pa- if like you pa- look at the satellite, it's just this ring oh. of rain of this rain system. Okay. It, it looks similar to but not anywhere near the scale of a hurricane almost. Okay. <gasps> It is was, this in Michigan or is this it's happening regional. right now here in oh. the Great Lakes region? Okay. So, so those donuts like kind of moving around? Yeah. Just meandering? Is it glazed? Oh. 
I think sprinkled. Okay. <laughs> I love, oh my God, my favorite. That was my favorite. Don't you get it? Sprinkles? That <laughs> was a water pun. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm literally like imagining sprinkles. I like that. I Wait. Wait. So we're in a rain donut. The yeah, the rain donut, and I mean, this is I think this is an anomaly. I don't I don't know how often this happens. I've never heard of it being referred to as a as rain, a rain donut, donut before. We can ask okay. Um. So that maybe this is something new. Maybe we'll see it more often with climate change. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows. The, future the fact that it's is... like a low power hurricane makes me slightly concerned because if that were to be exacerbated, yeah, it could potentially we could potentially be getting hurricanes up here. Do they happen in freshwater conditions? Not typ- I was gonna not ask. typically. No, the tsunamis can the, right. Um, I I believe, and again, not being a climatologist or meteorologist, and uh-huh. not being an expert in weather systems, mm-hmm. but I believe the 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 intense low pressure is really what drives hurricane in its mm-hmm. wind plus rain okay. okay and and i've recently heard some emergency uh, management folks talking about the storm surge is a really important mm. factor in hurricanes okay we don't have that level of intensity of storms yeah okay. it would be an unprecedented like thousand plus year event but also, um, we've been experiencing a lot of unprecedented yes. events. Like, so. like donut don't, rain. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> don't rule it out um, <laughs> for, for future. You know, who knows? I mean, I, and I know this sounds kind of crazy right now, of us, but like, I think the, the whole idea, though, is we're seeing things that we haven't really seen before that people don't really have a name or an explanation for. Mm-hmm. And so there is the potential for things to shift as we see more flooding, as we see more droughts, as we see more extremes in weather patterns or just weather in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like we do see more hurricanes than I remember seeing in the past. Yeah. I don't know if that's a media coverage thing or if that's simply because they are on record happening more frequently, but that has to be connected to our climate changing if it's synonymous with oh, yeah. The, yeah. the timeline. You know, well, you know what I, I like to think of it as, you know, weather is a function of climate. So climate is, you know, the big thing. Mm-hmm. And then because of the different pockets and landforms and pressure mm-hmm. systems, different weather things happen hurricanes mm-hmm. tornadoes monsoons um All and that's m- that's more likely for michigan mm-hmm. well into the future you know uh, the year 2100 has been kind of the, the new benchmark for like extreme change okay um and Yikes. monsoons that it's happen that you know further south mm-hmm. out west they might shift towards the Great Lakes. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's still debatable or we, we don't really know. Uh, yeah. If we had a glass or a crystal ball, mm-hmm. um, we would know. But Who's got the ball? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's going on. So. <laughs> One thing that fortune tellers should be fortune telling. So, is, and is that because precipitation will change depending on where the water is most concentrated? Well, yeah, it's, typically it's where the water is coming from from okay so a lot of in as particularly in west michigan we get a lot of our weather systems originating to the west okay so they they might be out, forming out in the plains but once they hit lake michigan things go all sorts of weird um 
Sometimes it's a buffer. Sometimes it's an intensifier. Oh, you know, we have things like lake effect snow, mm-hmm. where you know the 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 plain states, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, they get a lot of snow, mm-hmm. but a system that's dropping ten inches over there hits Lake Michigan and might drop twenty. Right. Um, so just this intensification, and that's because of the temperature difference between Lake Michigan and the air. Mm-hmm. There's evaporation happening, right? Yeah. Water's being put up into the air, gets mm-hmm. picked up by these weather systems and yeah. turned into snow. Um, and with with warming winters, it's proposed that or hypothesized that we'll have less ice cover in the winter, which will lead to more lake effect events oh, in the winter. Oh, interesting. Okay. But if temperatures are rising, they might not be solid precipitation like snow and ice. It could be more liquid precipitation. So we might be getting more rainfall during the winters than oh, snowfall. That sounds soggy. Well, kind of happened, happened last, last winter. winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It is. And, and maybe, Nancy, like I know you've noticed – what, about 10 or so winters you've been uh, in Michigan? Five. Oh, five I, why am I comparing? That That was me. I've been in Grand Rapids for 10 years. Um, so five winters versus like we've seen well over 20 of them. And so mm-hmm. I do notice things like that yeah. where we did have quite a bit of rain. So, yeah, I guess that that's really an interesting way of looking at it. Like, yeah, because even like my first winter here was like January of 2015 before I actually moved out here and like, yeah, it was just really snowy. It was like very winter wonderlandy, and I was like, I'm gonna move to Michigan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And now I'm like, oh, it's soggy. So, obviously, climate change does have the have the ability to change the precipitation amount, but it also can change the way that we get that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I was just just very curious as we're talking about it, and that's mm-hmm. why those types of weather events might be more common to happen in Michigan if we're potentially facing droughts in other places or facing flooding in other places. It'll just kind of, like, shift things in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what One of the um, models that I was looking at in, in preparation, um, again, that benchmark of 2100, mm-hmm. they actually have Michigan's climate shifting to the south and west so that we'll have something more similar to memphis tennessee okay so i don't know what kind of significantly warmer significantly humid yep more humid they're like swamp Um, and then you know but then also potential for dry spells Mm -hmm. so you know southern agriculture Mm -hmm. things like cotton tobacco yeah um Mm -hmm. you know warmer weather crops yeah. might be shifting to okay. Michigan in 100 years. Oh, that's weird to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you really think about, like, how many miles that is and shifting for, like, s- for our climate to just kind of climb down south is a little wild, if you yeah. ask me. And, and very abruptly doing that, you know, 100 years is a lifetime for us, but that's nothing, that's nothing. for mm-hmm. the earth. Yeah. <laughs> She's been around. She's been around. <laughs> So we talked about uh, things coming down from the sky, and by things I mean water. Um, so what happens once it hits the ground? Yes. Where does the water go? So um, in a 100% natural system, which, mm-hmm. of course, that's few and far between now, mm-hmm. um, the bulk of it, more than 50% of it, would be absorbed by the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's infiltration. Okay. So infiltration, mm-hmm. you know, the, the water being absorbed into the ground, yeah. some of it's shallow, it like a sponge. Mm-hmm. some of it's deep, 
Mm -hmm. um, so that's how aquifers are recharged. Store. <laughs> Probably something. I like the new um, Amazon deliveries. They're they're all electric and they're silent. You oh, can't hear them. Shut yeah. up, Amazon. I hear what you have to say anymore. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, right, so yeah, the aquifers. So, yep, in, infiltration happens. Um, mm -hmm. The water's absorbed. the The deep absorption goes to to recharge the aquifers mm -hmm. to to stabilize groundwater, basically. Okay. Is aquifer an synonym for groundwater? A aquifer is a large collection of groundwater, almost like an underwater lake. Oh, or, excuse me, an underground lake. <gasps> underground lake. That's I've crazy. been to one. Yeah, they're huge. Do they hang out in like a cave in formation, or is it more like a sponge? Yep, they're it, they can be in caves typically. So this is deep bedrock, you know, under layers and layers and layers of bedrock, maybe hundreds of feet underground. Mm -hmm. And um, the the big one that has been, I think, kind of mainstreamed is the Ogallala Aquifer in the Great okay. Plains, mm -hmm. and that's you know when the 20th century agriculture industrial agriculture complex took over the great plains mm -hmm. they were digging wells thinking we have an endless supply of groundwater of to grow all mm -hmm. the crops we want to grow mm -hmm. and boom that's where the the first green revolution started in the the middle of america mm -hmm. in like the 1920s and 30s okay and by the end of the 20th century, we had almost completely drained the Ogallala. And Dang. so now today, there's, to there's restrictions on how much water people can pump out of that aquifer. Okay. Dang. Okay. So there's some here in Michigan, too. Yeah. Um, our, ours aren't. Are they everywhere? Ours. Um, to, it's hard to say what the specific distribution is. It's not regularly distributed. But they are kind of everywhere. But yeah. they don't have like a specific constrained geological range. I think it would probably just be based on the actual bedrock geology. Okay. So in Michigan, because of glaciation, you know, mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of shallow aquifers. Mm -hmm. um, we have a few small pockets, really like mini aquifers, basically. Um, which is which is another issue that shallow infiltration that I was mm -hmm. talking about um, that can help recharge mm -hmm. groundwater um, and shallow aquifers. Okay. In the case of Ottawa County, Michigan, mm -hmm. over the last twenty years, because of the rate of development that's been happening near like Holland and Hudsonville, mm -hmm. they're actually draining <gasps> their aquifer. Really? And Michigan's unique geology, the aquifer that they've been pulling from has a calcium chloride cap from the old ocean that was here. Mm -hmm. And as they pull more water out, they're concentrating the salt in that water oh, no. and actually salinizing the groundwater. So some farmers in Ottawa County are pumping salt water out of the ground to water their crops. What? This is what happens when you don't think about what you're doing before you do it. Or no. have foresight. Yeah, Plain the and foresight, simple, dude. Right? Like, it's the foresight. Just think about like the repercussions of your behavior. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just as simple as that. And also, like, why do we – like, you made a comment at the beginning of this conversation – we see water in such a strange way in this country. 
why would you, because you see that there's water underground, feel like that's mine then? Yeah. When it came from a glacier. <laughs> I don't know. It's just bizarre oh, to me. I actually had a question about that. You said that we had very shallow aquifers because of glaciation. Uh, you can cut this out of if you want to because I'm going to make a very gross comparison. Did the glaciers basically, as they were coming down, pop the aquifers like a pimple? Or is there a different reason about why they're in a different shape? Yeah, no, the, the, the glaciers didn't have that level of impact on the bedrock geology it was okay. mostly like and again I'm surface yeah it, yeah. yeah they That's were we more really of a have surface mountains. yeah exactly <laughs> one of the reasons yeah i went to an underground lake it was in a cave and it was in uh the tennessee area okay and you had to walk down a tube to get there it was really cool it sounds cool yeah it was um but i just looked up a little fun fact here my highplains.com this is just a simple google search um, it says, how is it? Oh, how Ogallala. You, Ogallala. Um, it says that up to 40% of Ogallala will be unable to support irrigated crop production within the next 80 years. Other studies have even more dire news. Sorry, guys. Uh, projecting that the entire aquifer will be 70% depleted in the next 50 years. So that is just like some of the stats that people have gathered around yeah. depletion of groundwater and how that impacts things like in yeah. mm-hmm. the aquifers the the level of the aquifer is really important there because the 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 shallower it gets the deeper people have to build their wells okay so the longer they have to make their straws which is expensive mm-hmm. um you know could be cost prohibitive for a small yeah, family farm of yeah. course they might go out of business the big guy might come in and mm-hmm. have the resources to make a, a deeper well yeah or have the reason to say these people need water we have to do this yeah and that will only further impact that exact aquifer correct yep okay um so is there a way to either re gain more groundwater from our system or re like preserve it with the way that we live and the way that we pull water and things like that potentially and you can say i don't know erica i <laughs> the 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 little optimist that lives inside of me wants to say Very yeah cool. sure uh, <laughs> yeah just let it rain just, don't turn your sprinklers yeah, on you but, know like, is it is it less water use or um that's a, a little bit of a complicated question just because of where people where most people get their water from okay um and you know most most people in the urban areas of west michigan get their water from lake michigan directly right. not from mm. groundwater mm-hmm. so we're good there for so that case for, for the city dwellers <clears throat> yes for folks that live out in the the rural areas or mm-hmm. the developing suburban areas where they rely on groundwater wells mm-hmm. that's where it starts to become a little sketchy mm-hmm. as right. far as you know who who's able to afford healthy clean groundwater because as we know in places like northern kent county mm-hmm. you can't drink the groundwater yeah healthy <laughs> yeah is not there healthy clean is not, is not there, there. Yeah. Is not there. so um i would say the the 
best chance we have to preserve groundwater is better policy. Um, and that's a really boring and unsexy answer, but yeah, right. it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we allow corporations like Nestle to pull an extreme amount of water. A reminder for people that I think that number is 1.1 million gallons of water per day for $200 a year. Yikes. What's your water bill? <laughs> yeah, more than per year. More than two hundred dollars in a year. Yeah. Do yeah. you also pump one point one million gallons of water? We know. We know what you do with your water, Carlos. We've I seen it. <laughs> it, it his <laughs> bath is running right now. No reason. I can't even. Im- I can't even imagine how much time it would take a single household to use a million gallons mm-hmm. of water. Mm-hmm. I, have I to do imagine like a it's whole years. pool party like five times a day or something. Right? I imagine it's years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine it's used. So regulating places like over overtakers, I guess, <laughs> regulating the corporations that have access to these things mm-hmm. would help support that. Is it because the amount of water they use and that's changing our climate? Is it because of the amount of water that that potentially takes from ground? Like, I, I don't really understand that so the yeah so the issue is they're taking it out faster than it can be naturally recharged right just like with fossil fuels etc yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's a great analogy you know Mm -hmm. um aquifers groundwater there's well it will in the long term be recharged to 100 percent eventually Mm -hmm. if we're taking 105 percent out of it every year Mm -hmm. It's never gonna. It's never gonna fill back up. Yeah. yeah. Um, not for us to use. Not for us to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, groundwater withdrawal is a huge issue. It's mm-hmm. one of those things that most policy um, doesn't regulate strict en- strictly enough. Strictly enough, mm-hmm. I think is the yeah. Okay. Um, and it, groundwater has been um, in in. Folks in the water resources world Mm -hmm. in the Great Lakes area um, have started to refer to it as the sixth Great Lake because we do have about the equivalent of an entire Great Lakes worth of groundwater Mm -hmm. in Michigan. Okay. Spread out throughout both of our peninsula. But um, no. So it's almost like the invisible Some party wants to be like, don't listen to that. Yeah. But again, <laughs> if Nestle's hearing when, this. <laughs> when, when we think about that watershed concept, yeah. that groundwater is really still connected to the surface water. The, mm-hmm. the, sur- the groundwater is how most of our streams and lakes are recharged with yeah. water. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're depleting it. At a million do- million gallons a day, yep. eventually it's going to start impacting our ability to have. It's just going to slowly deplete with all the other yeah. water. Again, that using the Colorado River as an example, the more that they're drawing out of that river, the drier it gets at the end. Okay. For us, it would be the more groundwater we're pulling out, the less water recharged in those rivers and streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe in. I, I think it's maybe Everett, Michigan, mm-hmm. where the um, where the big Nestle now now it's not even Nestle anymore. Yeah. It's some other organization. Yeah. It's Nestle it's probably Nestle's cousin. It's, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what the transfer was, but um I think it's Nestle's child, but yeah. They uh, it's like 
it has a very like environmental sounding name too. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like and they're greenwashing. Sounds, it. Yeah, it sounds like they're good, but they're also and probably don't include any of this. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, oh no, you're in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so c- just going back to the the concept of pulling water out of the groundwater that would recharge a stream Mm -hmm. some of those streams are starting to dry up and some of those streams are um, seasonal habitat for migratory fish Mm -hmm. and birds and amphibians and reptiles and us Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) they can't forget us yeah and and we're we're losing streams Mm -hmm. you know we've just in the state of michigan since the 1800s yeah. We've lost like 50% of our wetlands. Really? We're 60%? Yeah, we're fi- I think I said 50, but oh, okay. um o- over 50? it's I think it's over 50% of <laughs> wetlands have Tomorrow been, it'll yeah. be 60. <laughs> um, and it'll be true uh, next week. You know, with the with the latest Supreme Court ruling, mm-hmm. we might continue to lose wetlands. Oh, that's so Um bad. and then <laughs> small intermittent or ephemeral streams mm-hmm. could be next. Okay. And then the main streams and then rivers, lakes. That is gloomy. <laughs> I will bring us back to sure. the water cycle. And I know we've been talking kind of like with all the rabbit trails that could possibly exist. Okay, yeah. So we talked it's about precipitation. Funny. We talked about kind of infiltration and what that looks like in a natural environment, um, which you said normally the soil would absorb that. It feeds into the watersheds, which feeds into streams, which feeds into lakes, which feeds into maybe another stream or river, which then feeds into maybe the ocean? The ocean, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's in a natural state. What happens in a built environment? Well, in the built environment, typically infiltration is very minimal. Um, oh. All of the hard surfaces, the buildings, the roads, parking lots, sidewalks. Concrete, asphalt? Concrete, asphalt, asphalt. asphalt. I heard it pronounced yeah. asphalt. Um, <laughs> That just sheds the water off, mm-hmm. and that's why we have storm sewer systems. Okay. So, so instead of more than fifty percent being infiltrated into the soils, mm-hmm. more than fifty percent is running off of the surface. Okay, but how is that bad? Because it's not running off into nowhere, right? Like it's running off into drains, which also run to the rivers. Yeah. But the bad thing is, uh-huh. all of those hard surfaces that I just named aren't just hard surfaces, right? They this have all sorts of other things on top of them. I got a very lovely visual of just how oily and dirty and scrummy. Look at a parking are. lot. Look at a parking lot. Parking mm-hmm. lot. Okay. Next time you're at the gas station, oh, the look gas at your feet. Station. Smell your shoes the next time you go get in your car (laughs) after pumping gas. All of those things during a rainstorm run off Mm -hmm. into the storm sewer. I see now. And the storm sewer, it does not filter, does not clean the water. Mm -hmm. Some of them are designed, there are are things um, that we install that are designed to minimize the amount of debris. So there's like settling basins. So Mm -hmm. some of those things are captured. Yeah. But the heavier the rain event, the more is flowing directly into our streams and rivers okay. and lakes. Can I ask why stormwater isn't mixed in with water filtration, if that helps? 
Um, it's a capacity issue. Right. They just like cannot filter that much water. Um, Nancy, you probably don't remember this. Maybe, um, you do though, Erica, prior to 2015, city of Grand Rapids and many of the other cities, um, or metro area, uh, municipalities had combined sewer overflows. Okay. The city of Detroit, city of Lansing, I think Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. still have combined sewer overflows. And this is a system fun. of essentially parallel pipes underground. Mm-hmm. You've got the storm sewer and you've got the sanitary sewer. And the sanitary sewer is coming from our toilets and sinks. Mm-hmm. And the storm sewer comes from our roads. Mm-hmm. And there's a little wall in between there, so they're not mixing it's like drywall wall. It's a pretty good size it's a wall. Okay. wall. Maybe it's two feet. Maybe it's six feet. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there are sections of that that are, you know, shorter than others, or maybe the connections a little bit smaller than others. Mm-hmm. And when we have these really big rain events, that storm water overflows oh. into the sanitary. And if enough flows into the sanitary, it backs up into the storm sewer and so in Uh, in the grand river for many many decades our our wastewater treatment plant would overflow during heavy rain events especially Mm -hmm. in the spring Mm -hmm. and untreated sewage would end up in the grand river and that goes straight into lake michigan and that goes straight into lake michigan those poor poor fish and that's where we get our drinking water Oh no! <laughs> uh. Oh, and that's where uh, Nestle was getting water from. <laughs> Just so you know, you're taking shit water, Nestle. Um, no, but it is actually now One Rock Capital Partners. One Rock Capital. Okay. Yes, um, I'm yes. gonna be doing some research, so oh. the next episode I come much more correct. But uh, Nestle chose to sell our water to people that have no right to it. Mm-hmm. So either way, I still don't like them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it Isn't was. Is there a count of days of how long it's been since Flint's had clean drinking water? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, it's 2014. Yeah, yeah. So that's. 2014 was That's not, nine years. 2014 <laughs> was not a good year for water. Bad water year. Um, that was also the year that the city of Toledo had to turn their water system off because of toxic algae blooms in the Maumee River, where they draw their water from, which is exacerbated by nutrient loading from agricultural Mm -hmm. operations. And the western basin of Lake Erie is still one of those uh, priority sites for organizations or initiatives like the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative Mm -hmm. to try to reduce the amount of nutrients in there. Because we have these um, toxic algae blooms that literally make the water undrinkable. It kills wildlife. It could potentially kill humans. Mm. So it's just, it's crazy that all of these things, Flint, Toledo, I mean, I'm sure Detroit, Benton Harbor, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, we're all Mm -hmm. (laughs) like in this kind of world of shit um, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively mm-hmm. in 2014. Yeah. yeah. 2014 was the last year um, before complete sewer separation in the city of Grand Rapids. So now we have what is techni- technically referred to as Municipal Separate Storm Sewer System, or MS4. Okay. Um, and again, that's, that's a... a it's, move, right? It's technical because it's a permit. So <laughs> the city is allowed to discharge storms, storm water into the Grand River 
because, to prevent that. Because they they change the way that they manage stormwater. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are lots of other like very minutia details about how you know how much stormwater, what types of practices that the city um, and its kind of neighbors too, because the city of Walker, Wyoming, Kentwood, yeah. um, East Grand Rapids, others are part of this permit. Um, right. and, and you know we share this watershed together so we got to figure out ways to manage the stormwater so that it's not continuing to degrade the water quality in the grand river mm-hmm. yeah because we need rain right oh yeah we, right. we want that yeah the stormwater is a good thing to have yep. but we can't have polluted stormwater because yeah. once it reaches a certain point it has to go into the river mm-hmm. yeah and um, stormwater itself uh, and runoff kind of tying it back to the water cycle is another one of those forms of pollution mm-hmm. um, again because oh, that's so interesting that it counts as pollution storm, but that makes sense stormwater carries all of that debris well, like and other chemicals salt, 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 yeah. you know pet waste uh-huh. oils um, yeah. oils um, the fertilizers and pesticides that you uh, use on your yard PFAS on your car PFAS from when you get a car wash <laughs> all sorts yeah all sorts of things so um uh, but but one of the big issues is how fast and how warm that water is. Mm. What the temperature? When it's entering the streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, why does that? Why does the temperature make a difference when it enters a stream? So streams uh, streams that are fed by groundwater are typically cooler or cold water streams. Mm-hmm. In the rain, in the summertime, when it rains and it hits a you know a blacktop parking lot oh, that's hundred and fifty degrees. Mm-hmm. It warms that water up, mm-hmm. boils the fish, and instead of infiltrating and cooling down naturally through the soils, mm-hmm. it goes right into the pipes and right into the streams. Oh. It takes less than fifteen minutes for a raindrop to get from the storm drain to the Grand River. Oh, wow. that's fast! So in fifteen minutes, that the water's not cooling down fast. Not enough. at all. Yeah. And the uh, just the immense volume of water that's moving through the storm mm-hmm. sewer system yeah. is causing the hydrology to just bounce all over. Yeah, because a lot of the currents and streams are partly, they flow like with temperature too, right? Like yeah. different like levels of them in between? Um, I, the, the size of the stream typically... Um, has an effect on what the temperature of the stream is. Mm-hmm. So the sometimes the speed. <laughs> let me think about this here. <laughs> okay. Because uh, there's there's a big there's that fourth dimensional aspect to it because we have the time the the time the phenology of the seasons right mm-hmm. so sometimes in in the winter obviously a melting snow isn't going to have a huge impact on the temperature of the stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be maybe it's even colder than what the stream temperature is yeah in the summer when it's really really warm that's the bigger issue i think okay um because you're already reaching the top of which things can reach for temperature like of our capacity yeah the range the tolerance range yeah so if you're throwing it onto like you said a black top asphalt is in its 
dripping downstream that's way too much heat for us to handle because we're already at max in the summertime anyway. Yep. Okay. I'm just assuming that's what it is. Yeah. And temperature matters because um, the temperature of the water dictates how much oxygen it can hold. Oh, I didn't know that. Warmer water holds less oxygen. Less oxygen means less things can survive in that water. It's like when water is boiling, right? Same concept. Sure. Like the the water is the air escaping the water. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess I'm trying to give it a visual. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. So so think you know think of your little water molecules all bouncing around each other. The mm-hmm. the warmer the water is, the faster they bounce. Mm-hmm. So the less space there is between each one of them okay. to hold oxygen and oh. and other you know mm-hmm. dissolved gases. Mm-hmm. Oxygen's the the most important one for yeah. aquatic wildlife though. So okay. Yeah. Um, and again, like the, the volume of water and that, that flow alteration, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that can affect what is able to thrive in those water bodies as well. Um, I mean, there are, there are things as small as, you know, microscopic, uh, animals, fungi, um, algae and, and other plants that are going to be impacted by how much water is moving through that system. Mm -hmm. And they get washed out and you know, oh, have yeah. to like it, it's like a spider having to to uh, respin its web every night. You know, oh, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you just have to go back in and, and have that whole community reestablish in that space. Mm-hmm. If there was a huge flood event, if there was a huge temperature event or chemical spill, mm-hmm. um, you know, things basically get wiped out and then have to reestablish. And that takes time. And yeah. And, and with things like bacteria, the certain temperatures really do matter, right, in order for things to thrive. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, if something is too cold or too hot, it's just not happening at all. Yeah, the, these, the toxic algae blooms are actually a, a cyanobacteria, a mm-hmm. photosynthetic bacteria, um, and they thrive in warmer water. Mm. So the warmer that water is, the more blooms you'll see. Um, and, and that's something that we're already seeing in Michigan, um, okay. not just western basin of Lake Erie, but inland mm-hmm. lakes, the drowned river mouth lakes on the Lake Michigan okay. um, coast. Mm-hmm. So places like uh, Muskegon Lake, Lake Makatawa, White Lake, mm-hmm. Duck Lake, they're starting to see more toxic algae blooms happening, okay. not as big of a scale as Lake Erie. It. it as it's climate happening. changes, they're going to become more prevalent oh. even farther and farther north. Mm-hmm. Different times of year than they're typically expected. So it might overlap with beach season. It might overlap with boating season. I was just yeah. going to say that. So if you like your boats and your beaches and your beach houses, consider taking care of the climate because it's going to start impacting your summers in a way that's so much deeper than like, oh, it's just hot. It's like, no, you can't swim. Truth. <laughs> you can't drink that water anymore. Yeah. You can't use it to grow food anymore. Yeah. You can't right. let your, you can't fish from it. You can't duck hunt from it or, or whatever yeah. else you do with that water. Like it's just going to be inaccessible. Mm-hmm. And back to my earlier point, the Great Lakes is 20% of the world's surface freshwater mm-hmm. so the world <laughs> the world like really wrap your brain <laughs> around that that if you f this one up like yeah well yeah. And there are eight billion of us so and imagine us being any more than 20 percent of eight world. now Oof. yeah well we, seven to eight we went okay. over no, eight last time this i checked oh did we go year, over yeah. at six. Oh, yeah. shit. We, we went over eight this we're year. in trouble guys i feel yeah. like 
I feel like they're, predict- <laughs> they're predicting nine faster than what we had previously thought. There too. we go. So imagine supplying billions of people yeah. water. Only about 40 million people live in the Great Lakes Basin currently. Mm-hmm. I'm about uh, to put a fence around so, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, the kind of the, the future of the Great Lakes Basin with climate change is there's going to be more people here because of course the low-lying areas of the coast people are going to have to go inland yeah drought stick drought stricken west communities are going to move to water rich areas mm-hmm. we're really the only one in north america unless you go okay. north of yeah. the border uh that can- yeah. canada has a lot of lakes up there but that's Canada. <laughs> yeah, no, and Canada's like, you are not coming here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, tr- as climate refugees it, it immigrate to other places, they're not going to pick coastal spaces. They're going to pick places that are going to be safe havens, and yep. they're going to look directly toward Michigan, which is, I mean, I love the idea of saving people who need help, but like we can only, we, we don't even have capacity to house the amount of people in Grand Rapids that we need to. Mm-hmm. At, you know, there, there's the concept of an ecological carrying capacity. So that's the amount of life that a, a ecosystem can support without collapsing. Right. 40 million people is a lot. Well, yeah. And we already have groundwater pollution. Mm-hmm. We already have surface water pollution. We already have contamination of fishes, wildlife. We're, it's going to become more expensive to, to get access to clean water, right. the, yeah. the worse it becomes. Mm-hmm. The, the more we do, yeah. the more we are in general. Yeah. So, so I, I was just going to say, as you, like, as you see your water bills going up, it's not just because of inflation. It's because pollution is more prevalent and yeah. they have to build new technology mm-hmm. to cl- keep it cleaner. Yeah. And there's less. They know that you we're depleting it at a rate, so you have to it's now valued differently than it was before. Yeah. Um, so with all that being said, what can we do to restore things either locally or on a larger scale? I know you mentioned like we can regulate things differently, which um, is something that we would end up having to vote on more than anything I'm assuming. But like, what are things that we can do to make sure that um, we are keeping either our backyards, our streams, our creeks, our rivers, at a place where we can continue to like address this issue. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> Not die. Not <laughs> so um, I'm trying to be nice I over here. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this, but we're we're all gonna die. It's okay. Yeah. Well, well and, no, I'm gonna be real. <laughs> when you that. when you said 2100, I'm like, whew, I'm yeah. gonna be gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, but extinction is really serious, right? Like yeah. it, this could be the existential crisis that that we face and you know could water be in our will life. be water will be climate has a huge role in in water resources yeah Can i ask a personal question and don't feel pressure to answer oh sure but as a parent mm. how does that deadline feel to you or being aware of that 2100 um i i struggle with it a yeah. lot yeah i struggle with it a lot Mm-hmm. It, I'm a newer parent too. It's only been a little over two and a half years now. So, so your parent, your child's probably going to be reaching their old age right at that. Yeah, yeah. Eighty. If, if yeah, I mean, eight, mm-hmm. eighty is a nice, 
healthy age for mm-hmm. most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would anticipate my children being able to survive till 80. Yeah. So. But that's, I mean, and I'm not trying to gloom this out, but like that's 80 with healthy food exactly. and air yeah, yeah. and water yeah. and resource and, and less stress and, and things yep. like that. This is a healthy 80 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagining depleting something or, or taking it away, I don't think that we would be very healthy in 80 years. Sorry, not, I not didn't if, mean to not fuck things, that up for no, that's you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not if we don't change how we right. do things. Right, and that's that's the point I'm getting exactly, at. Exactly, yes. Yeah. If we're on this trajectory, I don't think my children would live to, to a healthy 80 years right. um, without you know really extreme intervention or, yeah. I don't know, us becoming billionaires so that we're yeah. the only ones that have access to fresh food and clean water. Paying for <laughs> bottled <laughs> <Yeah>. air. <laughs> Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so along those lines, then this is really important for us to have a discussion about about how we can restore things, yeah. how we can make sure that we are not going to do something that will deplete out ourselves and future selves. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I probably won't be here by that year, and I plan on remaining like a child-free adult, so I don't have direct descendants to worry about. But I do worry about like non-direct descendants like everybody oh, yeah. else who is yeah. still a child or you know soon to come to yeah the world, so. um i i think the the best place to start is your backyard okay if you have a backyard mm-hmm. your own home wherever you dwell um so being responsible with your water use mm-hmm. you know obviously that can help in a lot of ways um if you if you have space, a yard, uh, even if you rent and you know speak to your to your property owner, land landlord, or whatever, of mm-hmm. can we plant more native plants? Mm-hmm. Uh, grass lawns suck. Big thumbs down. <laughs> they they are a huge contributor to climate change, and I will speak against uh, grass lawns all day long if Me I could. Too. <laughs> I despise them. I think they should be illegal. Um, I think you should get fined for having the, the fact that they were literally like just a status symbol from the French aristocracy. Like, how yeah. did we? It's not even American. Nope. You're um, not a golf course, and even if you are, <laughs> there's clover. Chill <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. That, no, that's fine. Um, start in your backyard. Start in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, con- convert portions of your lawn. I- if you use your lawn recreationally, that's fine. But there are really, there are better ways to manage your own space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm killing my lawn. Going going back to the water cycle, mm-hmm. you know, think about each individual plant in its role in the water cycle. Mm-hmm. The more trees we take out, the more natural prairies and wetlands and meadows that we remove, Mm -hmm. the less that water cycle is acting in its normal path. Mm -hmm. And so grass lawns have very, very shallow root systems. They don't use a lot of water naturally. It's just like three inches if that, right? And and that's one of the reasons that people have to water their lawns so much is because those roots don't go deep enough to Mm -hmm. get access to the groundwater. Mm -hmm. They're just surface level. They're just surface level. Yeah. Native wildflowers, (laughs) grasses, trees, their root systems go tens of feet down to the ground. So they help retain it because they're reaching. They're reaching down. They're bringing, you know, and that's carbon sequestration too, Mm -hmm. because 
all of those roots are made from carbon. That's cellulose, right? So they lock up carbon, bury it way down in the ground, Mm -hmm. and then they pull that deep storage water. Which also means you don't really have to water it because they're just tapping into a natural water source. Exactly. It's like like a terrarium. It's water conservation. (laughs) It's climate mitigation. Mm -hmm. All just from some pretty flowers. Yeah. Don't the roots also help to prevent erosion too from stormwater runoff? They prevent erosion. They mm-hmm. provide habitat. They build healthy soil microbiome. They bring a smile <laughs> to your face. <laughs> I see you like yeah, lighting yeah. up as you talk oh, about this. For our I, listeners, yeah. Carlos is <laughs> grinning passionately as he's oh. describing flowers. This so. has been a hard conversation, so let's uh, talk about yeah. the flowers. Yeah, no. Plants are the, like I said, they're the contra lung, right? They're they're the mm-hmm. unsung heroes of climate adaptation and resilience. I would go as far as to call them counter humans. They, <laughs> they, I mean, plant, so far. plants in, in many ways are the reason that we have animals, right? Yeah, the the absolutely. whole evolutionary process of, of animals is because of plants mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but Most <laughs> of the animals we eat only eat plants. Correct. So. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, so start in your backyard, mm-hmm. grow some plants, let the flowers grow. If you have a grass lawn, let it grow. Like, mm-hmm. let it grow long. You don't have to yeah. cut it every week. That's carbon sequestration, too, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Um, no mow may has become... No mow may. I that shizzle. It came up to my calves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. And that, in a dry year, it'll yeah. even grow up to your calves, And right? that I was just going to make that comment. Look around at, like, the bleached grass look we have going on, like... If doesn't that doesn't good. scream unnatural, <laughs> and then good. you look at your neighbor's lawn who does have a natural lawn, and they're yeah. like doing all right, it's like, yeah, I have some um, native plants kind of along the edge of my garden, and like even though my grass is all yellow and dead, the plants are like thriving. Yeah. They're so happy. They're good. And those the mm-hmm. coreopsis right now mm-hmm. are popping, mm-hmm. and the bees love it. Yes, and the Poppin'. and the butterflies are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, milkweed's on its way to being in bloom, so we'll we'll start to see things like monarch butterflies and all those other great things. Mm-hmm. It's all just water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so water. really, what I'm hearing too is not only like making sure that you're having more plant and wildlife, but like allowing for it to restore itself yeah. by doing that. Definitely. So like bring the right things to the right places, and then just. Let them do their thing. Let it go. You yeah. can assist them if necessary, but otherwise, like the rain is going to do it. Yeah. The roots are going to reach the point where you, the rain doesn't even matter anymore, yep. and it just continues to give. Yeah. Um, y- you know, there are, there are definitely things that you can do to mimic some of the natural processes that don't happen anymore, like okay. um, large herbivore uh, grazing. Mm. You know, we don't we don't have herds and herds of elk and bison. And deer roaming through our streets uh, yeah. of Grand Rapids. Not recently. Which is not recently. I mean, <laughs> deer, yes, but uh, elk and bison, no. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and they would have come through mm-hmm. all of these mixed, you know, grasslands, savannas, prairies, okay. and they would have cut down the native grasses and wildflowers mm. that by eating them by and eating stepping them, on them. Stepping them. Okay. They're distributing seeds and pollen and providing other, you know, functions of this ecosystem Mm -hmm. that don't happen anymore. So if you've got a native plant garden, every once in a while, you got to chop it down. Yeah. Chop it down or walk through it or. Yeah. Walk through it, you know, um, disturb it a little bit. And that disturbance helps to spark regrowth. Okay. And shake them up a little. And that helps to 
build the soil even further okay. and get those plants established even more. Mm-hmm. And Good again, that's more carbon sequestration, yeah. more water storage, more ha- more habitat, more wildlife coming back. Yeah. I, and I was just going to say that. I'm so glad that you just said more wildlife coming back because as we allow for wildlife to conju- continue to grow, we welcome back some of the animals that would have potentially done that. Like more deer would come back to these spaces if they had a place to graze through. Yeah. And if we treated them better and we treated our spaces better, um, if they had natural plants to eat, but the fact that we all have grass and they're like, well, there's no food here for me, you know, and then obviously yeah. cars and in danger and other things add to that. But um, OK, so native plants, Yeah, which a lot of people now, like when they plant a bunch of them together, they kind of refer to them as rain gardens even. Right. Because of how they filter and process mm-hmm. rainwater. Yeah. Yep. Uh, rain, rain gardens are a really great um, practice to have um, if if you're soils if your yard is able to to have one mm-hmm. um you know certain soils will drain water faster than others okay and if you have a lot of clay rain gardens typically aren't great right okay. it's not going to yeah, penetrate through yeah, the clay exactly okay yeah. mm-hmm. if it's you know sandier soils that mm-hmm. water drains really quickly you have to plant certain types of plants to keep you know to keep healthy mm-hmm. in that type of um soil as well but yeah yes rain, rain gardens are great um you know they can help mitigate localized flooding mm-hmm. um places like parking lots that get flooded you can add a little you know curb cut rain garden mm-hmm. and all of that the... flood water will go into the rain garden and and create a new habitat mm-hmm. and that pesky flood water is off of your parking lot yeah or your yard or your roof or you know, out of your basement or mm-hmm. something like that. Were yeah. you guys involved in the one that we, who was it? Uh, yesterday we that. went to go meet with Pastor Lori from East Church. And one of the things that she showed us is like the rain garden that they just installed, I think, within the last two years in their parking lot. It, but all of really their nice. rain drains into the corner. There's a drain right at the corner of it. But then there's like probably what, a five by five or ten by ten like space. Mm-hmm. that is all filled with native plants and it's just like yeah yeah it acts like a little basin to catch yeah. all that water yep mm-hmm. yeah it is the cool i'm sorry it was i was like kind of the idea the concept of it is so cool i mean i just imagine like you know where you have driveways that go down like mm. if you just had something that supported that in any way like yep. you mm-hmm. could still put a drain over it but like to have something underneath growing or something like that yeah mm-hmm. um it would just be so much more effective Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so rain gardens are one of many practices um, that are referred to as green infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So rain gardens are, you know, they're typically a basin. They're below grade, below the level of the, you know, typical ground. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they collect, store temporarily, and help infiltrate that water. So, again, mm-hmm. reconnecting that water cycle that we've disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, Trees are another form of green infrastructure. Okay. They can right. also be, you know, tree wells, as they're referred to in the mm. engineering world. Um, mm. They can be designed to to function like a rain garden, essentially. But oh, interesting. You know, trees trees use a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, a mature, like thirty year old tree, can just on its leaves hold over a hundred gallons of water during a rain event. Whoa! So that's that's, a lot. that's like interception 
slowing it down, letting right. it drift. It trickles, it trickles down, down. Slow, like the yep. next day after a storm oh, when the mean, wind like blows. Outside the leaves, not even in the leaves. On, on the surface of the leaves. It's oh, yeah. one of my favorite bananas. things is the day after a storm when the wind blows and you feel the water moving on after. I think that's just so cool. So yeah. I, 100 gallons? Hun- a, a mature, a a mature tree, yeah. Think about how many, you know. Thirst if, quenched. If an, av- if an average leaf <laughs> is about the size yeah. of your hand, there's thousands of leaves on a tree. Yeah. And just a thin surface of water times all of those leaves. Mm-hmm. Gallons and gallons and gallons. So a reason why having urban canopies would also be helpful. They're going to hold water in different ways. Yep. But then also going to help the soil underneath so that the groundwater is staying retained as well. Yep. Okay, very cool. Okay, so that's green infrastructure. But what green about infrastructure. So, other infrastructure? Yeah, so um, some of it is less visibly green, mm-hmm. but the green refers more to the the kind of Living the, the natural the natural function mm-hmm. of the infrastructure. Okay. So that's where the the engineering infrastructure term comes from. Some of them are still engineered design constructed mm-hmm. um, practices yeah but they're not vegetated okay um so what are some examples of that uh permeable pavement is one of the newest technologies that most cities are incorporating into their storm water oh, management plans cool. mm-hmm. so you might see these um in parking areas bike lanes uh parking lots mm-hmm. you know the street level parking yeah. um, sidewalks even um, the tree wells are also designed um, if you've ever noticed a street tree in a downtown area that has kind of like this rubberized area yeah. around it mm-hmm. um, those are permeable those are they have oh. little tiny holes that the mm-hmm. rainwater can soak into mm-hmm. and underneath there might be some sort of subsurface water storage okay Helps to water the tree, helps to keep the water out of those storm sewers. Mm-hmm. You are blowing <laughs> helps my mind. To, yeah, <laughs> helps to infiltrate. So Th- There's reservoirs there, holding this water. There could be, yeah. There could be. That makes so much sense. Some of them could even be built tens of feet right. out and under the, the sidewalk. So you could be walking on water storage and not even know it. Okay. You could park your car. Um, there's actually... I think the downtown market has these almost like cavern. You could probably walk through them. They're so large. They're these little underground vaults that can store water for a period of time after a rainstorm. And below that, there's you know particular types of substrate that help to infiltrate water. So over top of a, a hard surface, mm-hmm. they have drains in the parking lot. Those yeah. drains lead to these underground vaults that can store thousands if not millions of gallons of water during a rain event and that stops the over uh the surface surface runoff okay wow but those are like architectural details because i guess a lot of it is like invisible to the like a normal person like a lay person yeah right right. yeah yeah it's under a parking lot or under a a parking space but people weren't thinking like that when they were building buildings even i don't know how say would you just how new is this? Is it like 20 years, 50 years? Like when did we finally start thinking about water um, when we're constructing new things? Um, I'm sure the invention of some of these is probably as old as 50 years. Mm-hmm. 
But as far as like common practice, that's in the last 10 to 15 years. Oh, okay, so yeah. fairly recent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, with these um, stormwater pr- discharge permits, mm-hmm. they're, they're being required now. Right. The okay. city of Grand Rapids, for instance, has a stormwater management requirement for any new development that's going to increase the amount of impervious surfaces or hard surfaces on a property. Mm-hmm. They're required to capture a certain volume of stormwater on site. Okay. It was a solution to the flooding problem or a, por- a, portion, a portion of solving the flooding problem that you had. Yeah. So that's why it has to have that at this point. It's yeah. like it not only does it help, but like it prevents us from having the same issues that we were having before. The, yeah, the flooding, all the other pollution and surface runoff that would come from the building or the parking lot that they're that they're constructing, but now they're saying all of this water that falls on your property has to stay on your property for as long as possible. Hopefully it will be infiltrated into the ground. Yeah, right. And not enter the storm sewer so that it doesn't go directly into the rivers and streams. So one way that we could, as a city, then continue to make sure that you that water is utilized is to make sure that we have plants that are going to soak up that water as much as possible. Yeah. So yeah. that they are dispersed properly and not just thrown back into our sewer systems or evaporate or whatever. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's so cool. Um. So wetlands. Are going to be another one? Yeah, wetland wetland restoration, like I mentioned earlier, we've lost a significant amount of wetlands in our country, in our state. Um, Is it over 50%? Over 50%. Most of the Detroit metro area was wetlands historically. Oh, really? So, you know, if you think about its geography and position (laughs) um, of, you know, it drains from Lake Huron. There's the uh, let's see, St. Mary's River, St. Clair, the whole Mary. city, and then the yeah, you think? Um, so you know, so <laughs> the, the, the definition of a wetland, right, is a place as a low lying, typically a low lying area uh-huh. where water will collect and stand for a long period of time. Yeah. So if you plow over that, build highways, build buildings, where does that water? want to be that same exact spot wants to be right where it is so (laughs) you can imagine fast forward to 2021 i think it was Mm -hmm. a really really rainy spring after a really really snowy winter Mm -hmm. you have lots of localized flooding in the lowest lying areas Mm -hmm. and in cities like detroit they typically will dig out land to build uh, highways mm-hmm. and i don't remember if you <laughs> if you saw the Did or i don't know people if you <laughs> study physics Dude, no. detroit I, has just do. been they're, like they're i'm engin- gonna do whatever the f- they're engineers <laughs> they, they come up with all these really great um solutions to the inconvenience of nature um but often don't consider the a natural solution nature. to the inconvenience of man right <laughs> <laughs> Um, so again, this well, is we're why, not one of nature. This is why we're coming back with this green infrastructure stuff. So mm-hmm. um, back in in that, f- I think it was 2021, the flooding, the really bad flooding in Detroit. Most of the highways were the areas that were flooded because mm-hmm. they had been dug out. They're oh. below mm-hmm. most of the the neighborhood grade level surface mm-hmm. uh, surface level. Yeah. Um, and those historically were wetland areas, mm-hmm. so that water doesn't want to move 
And it collects in those low-lying areas. And I remember seeing pictures of people swimming. <gasps> Kayaks out the there. Highway, <laughs> the flooded highway, swimming, kayaking, mm-hmm. whatever. Dang. And Detroit, as I said earlier, still has a combined sewer overflow system. So all of those flooded areas likely had untreated sewage. Yeah. And people were swimming and fishing. And yeah. Paddling. I mean, you know, but time. also just living nice. near, and just, just, living there. just being around it in general yeah. is just not healthy. Not healthy at all. Um, and so things like preserving wetlands, things like not building over them, things like making conservations the top of our list and then also making sure that we're preserving the land that we have potential to like yeah. our backyards like our our parents backyard go to your parents backyard <laughs> and make sure their creek is looking on point <laughs> or whatever you can do yeah. um because there is things like 30 by 30 which is trying to preserve um at least 30 percent of all land right so by 2030 mm. so we're trying to um, make sure that every state is up to that code. Michigan, I believe, is closer to 19%. Um, okay. So things like advocating for not building over wetlands and not allowing for people to overdevelop our spaces are going to not only contribute to our climate issue, but also keep us on track for the goals that we have in our future. Yep. Um, but what would be your call to action for people who are listening? Something that is maybe um, a little bit more easy to figure in a life where you're either not already openly fighting toward change or the climate issue that we're facing or you're just like a super busy parent, right? Or you could <laughs> have like an easy mode call to yeah. action and like yeah. a expert mode call to no, action. No, well, Nan- Nancy will come in and be like, and then what you need to do <laughs> is murder your entire lawn, <laughs> do your neighbors as well. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the light version and then sure. we can come in with something sure. a little bit heavier too. All right. I, I think the the easiest, easy answer, vote. Okay. Oof. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I mean, it's vote. One. The majority so, of us can do it. Because in 2016, mm-hmm. we had a presidential election that mm-hmm. resulted in three nominees mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court just rolled back wetlands protections. Yep. And if the other candidate would have won, we would have had a completely different Supreme Court, and none of that would have happened. Maybe more protected wetlands. More protected wetlands. Yeah, right. So vote. Okay. So that's the easy level. <laughs> vote. That's the easy like level. Like really actually think yep. about who you're about to put into our, what we have primaries coming up pretty mm-hmm. soon here. Yeah. So I really like that answer. Yeah. Um, What's hard mode? Well, can I give an easy mode or an easier mode? Sure. Medium well, mode? it might not be easier. Um, but as mode. you were mentioning uh, rainwater and just how valuable it is, um, I know that Weemiak has a link on their website right now um, where they talk about rain barrels. That, that was going to be my next level, how you can participate in water conservation. Oh. Uh, rain, rain barrels are another kind of entry level green infrastructure, yeah. right? Green, again, the, the green part of the green infrastructure is thinking uh, as a nature-based solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So rain barrels hold hold the water, slow it down, and allow it to trickle mm-hmm. and infiltrate nat- more naturally. Yeah. Um, rain gardens, same thing. Mm-hmm. I- if you are a property owner, a business owner, consider 
converting your parking lots, consider, uh, you know, it's an expensive practice, but things like green roofs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And if anybody has any questions about these things, feel free to contact us at WEMIAC. Um, You can drop into our open office hours. We have a zero storm water runoff site. Really? That's kind of cool. 1007 Lake Drive. They're Um, walking the walk. We have, we've got a green roof. We've got a rain garden. We have all sorts of other really cool things. We've got a a double gold lead certified building. (gasps) So we've got a a lot of cool on-site demonstration um, Mm -hmm. things. So learn, learn, I guess, is the, is. Can we take a tour? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, we've got we've got open office hours Monday through Thursday right now. So mm-hmm. Very cool. come on by and somebody'll show you the cool things that we've got. Okay. And and on the rainwater topic, now that I'm thinking about it, um, in my apartment, what I will do the next time it rains is I'll put a mason jar outside <laughs> and I'm gonna use that to water my plants instead of getting water from my go. sink. Yeah. My plants will appreciate it a whole lot more and I will use a tiny bit less water, which yeah. will contribute in one way or another if I do it fifty times. If you've got, <laughs> if you've got like a, a funnel that's wider than the surface, surface area, area, just boom, just put that on your uh, mason jar and you'll collect yes. that much little bit more water wow. maybe you'll double it i don't know let's triple well, it can I <laughs> do the yes all right yeah. now everybody hang on to your seats nancy's gonna <laughs> i know here she comes storm of nancy <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's one that i've said before but rip up your lawn throw it away <laughs> i told you she was gonna say stab your lawn and your neighbors <laughs> Um, or if you don't want to rip it up because that is a lot of work, you just cover it with a layer of, I think they call it contractor's paper, which is a not plastic that you can just use and then throw like a couple inches of mulch over it. And before you know it, you'll have no lawn Word. and you'll be happier for it. Yeah. We, um, we just reduced our lawn by doing just that. We, we actually used non-dyed, non-painted um, yeah, cardboard. Yeah, like craft brown. Okay, yeah. We used cardboard. Yep. So that'll that'll smother out just about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, yeah, amend soil on top with compost and mulch, yep. you got a perfect little starter garden bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you don't want to do anything with that, you just don't have an invasive plant stealing water from yep. the ground, which yeah. is just going to continue to contribute toward what we're talking about right now mm-hmm. yeah cool yeah. Well, now, oh and also like if you're not a homeowner um one of my friends her name's rachel barecki she actually went to her First employers um <laughs> she went to her employers and was like hey like it kind of sucks that we just have this like non-beneficial landscape in front like on our property can i do something with it and they were like yeah do whatever you want we don't care so she was able to plant like a whole native garden that got her job awesome so that's awesome. another small yeah. thing that you guys can probably do Talk to your people about making effective changes mm-hmm. in your yeah. lawns and with water storage. Yep. We love it. Thank you so much. This has been Thanks, Carlo, for so informative. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Mm-hmm. This is all the years of you storing information <laughs> into one moment. And we're all excited. Yeah, the knowledge <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> I like it. Um, so thank you for listening to Green Rapids. Peace. Peace. Peace.